Devotion to the Word of God is paramount for every Christian. But how does one rightly interpret Scripture? This holy book is sacred. This holy book must be read and understood correctly. You're listening to the Book of Jude. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Book of Jude. We are in a series. If you're a first-time listener, we are deep in the series of the Old Testament and Revelation. And so John uses a bunch of Old Testament passages uh, in the book of Revelation, and we have been going through. We are in chapter 8, midway through. And um, so if this is your first time listening, uh, I would stop and at least go back to season 3, episode 1, is where we started this series. Together, let's read Revelation 8, 6, and 7. Now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. The first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood. And these were thrown upon the earth, and a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. All right, so I read that kind of slow. I don't want us to miss anything. Uh, the trumpets, the trumpet judgments are sometimes understood as intended primarily to warn unbelievers that they will suffer the final judgment if they do not repent. The key to understanding the nature of these as warning judgments is the formative Old Testament background. The first five trumpets are patterned after um, five of the plagues inflicted upon the Egyptians immediately preceding Israel's exodus. And that is a quote from G.K. Beale, one of our favorite scholars here for the Old Testament and Revelation. The first trumpet, uh, verse 7, this corresponds to Exodus 9, 22 to 25. The second trumpet and the third trumpet, they're actually kind of together. The second and the third trumpet, verses 8 to 11 of Revelation 8. This corresponds to Exodus 7, 20 to 25. Hope you're taking notes. The fourth trumpet, Revelation 8, 12, corresponds to Exodus 10, 21 to 23. And the fifth trumpet, Revelation 9, 1 to 11, corresponds to Exodus 10, 12 to 15. Now the first trumpet, uh, I said it corresponds to 9, 22 to 25. So this first trumpet we see in Revelation 8 uh, is brings hail and fire mixed with blood. A third of the earth was burned up, a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. So I said this corresponds with Exodus uh, chapter 9, 23 to 25. This is the seventh plague. This is hail and fire. God sends hail and fire destroying three parts of creation in both of these judgments, earth uh, or the land, trees, and grass. Now this third language, man, there's a lot of theories out there, and there's a lot of bad theology uh, associated with the third, third of the earth and all of that. 
Um, to be fair and to be completely honest, a, a, a firm, concrete answer is very unclear to what John is even talking about. Uh, we will look at Zechariah's judgment language. It has some similarities, but again, it's it's not going to be concrete, and just you'll you'll see what I mean when we get there. So a third could basically mean a partial or portion of. It could easily just mean a portion of the land, a portion of the trees, a portion of grass or land or earth. A portion of the earth was was burned up. That's a very simple answer, but it's. It's a lot safer than a lot of the bad theology that's out there. But let's look at uh, Zechariah's judgment language. We're going to read Zechariah 13, verses 7 to 9. And this is titled, The Shepherd Struck. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man who stands next to me, declares the Lord of hosts. Strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. I will turn my hand against the little ones. In the whole land, declares the Lord, two-thirds shall be cut off and perish, and one-third shall be left alive. And I will put this third into the fire and refine them as one refines silver, and test them as gold is tested. They will call upon my name, and I will answer them. I will say, They are my people. And they will say, the Lord is my God. And again, that's Zechariah 13, 7 and 9. The trumpet judgment could affect both godly and ungodly. The difference we see in Zechariah 13 is the positive outcome for the righteous to be refined. The ungodly suffer in this punishment. A third is used in Zechariah, but not in the same way it's used in Revelation. However, John mixes the Old Testament all the time, as we've seen through this whole series. And additionally, Zechariah 13 is part of a sequence of messianic passages. And this goes from Zechariah chapter 9 all the way to chapter 14. It presents a messianic figure who was rejected, wounded, then killed, and, of course, Jesus quotes Zechariah 13.7 in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew uh, 26.31, You will all fall away because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. By the way, Matthew uses the Old Testament, and, and specifically Zechariah. Matthew 21.45 is taken from Zechariah 9.9-10. 9 Matthew 24:30 is taken from Zechariah 12:10-14 and lastly Matthew 27 3-10 uh, is he uses Zechariah 11:12-13 and that's a bonus I just wanted to bring that up now let's get back on track the the shepherd in Zechariah 13:7 is described as God's shepherd God's shepherd will be struck down by the sword of God himself. The Messiah is killed in accordance with the will of God. And you can see Isaiah 53.10. The sheep are the people of God, as in Ezekiel 34, which is another prophecy against the prophets of Israel. So who's the people of God? Zechariah 13.9 says, I will say they are my people and 
they will say, the Lord is my God. And that phrase is all throughout uh, the Old Testament. And that specific phrase appears more times in the Old Testament than I can even count. I mean, it is there a lot. And of course, it shows up in Revelation. We see it uh, if we haven't seen something similar already, but we're going to see it later. Uh, Then you're going to say, they are my people and you are my God. That's all throughout the Old Testament. But if I say that to folks, they might say, yeah, it's in Revelation. Well, (laughs) if it's in Revelation, there's a good chance it's in the Old Testament. Um, Jesus, the good shepherd, God's shepherd, is killed. The sheep, people of God, scatter, and judgment comes to Israel. Uh, This happened in 70 AD and and further on. So how is this all connected? I know what you're thinking. Whoa, what what are we talking about? So again, Jesus, the good shepherd or God's shepherd, he's killed. The sheep, the people of God, scatter, and judgment comes to Israel. Of course, judgment has come to Israel throughout the Old Testament, but if we're going to match everything up with Jesus and Revelation and the New Testament, of course, as a whole, uh, judgment came to Israel uh, 70 AD and, and further. So how is this all connected? Remember in Revelation 7, the 144,000, the righteous being sealed, the people of God going through tribulation, John himself in the first chapter tells his audience that he too is a partner in the tribulation. But the promise is God is Lord over all to include death. Therefore, when Christians enter tribulation as they have for centuries, God refines them in it and through it no matter if it leads to death or not. I'm reminded of Jesus' statement in the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verse 33. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Let's take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to take it John's use of Joel and Amos in the book of Revelation. You're listening to the Book of Jude. Connect with us on social media. Search at Book of Jude on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Chaplain Jude posts frequently with additional resources for you to further your study of God and His Word. Feel free to ask questions or leave comments. Remember, prayer requests are always welcome. Thank you for listening to the Book of Jude. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back to the book of Jude. There is a structural connection, a theme in Revelations chapters 8 to 10, and John's use of Joel and Amos. This is going to be difficult to communicate over this podcast, but as always, use the uh, social media. I will be able to uh, show you this, present this to you more effectively. But for right now, just take some notes. Revelation 8, verses 6 to 13, we see the four trumpets. And that's exactly what we're going through today. 
This has a clear structural theme when it comes to Joel 2. Because it, when, when you read it, you will read fire, the sun, the moon. It has some clear connections. And then next, Revelation 9, 1 to 12, we're going to see locusts and scorpions. And in Joel 3, smoke and locusts we will see. So it's just, a, it's just a structural theme that John may be using passages from Joel and Amos. So uh, Revelation chapters 8 and 9, Joel chapters 2 and 3, they have similarities. Now let's move to Amos. So Revelation 9, 1 to 12 has the similarities, the structural theme of Joel 3. And right after that, verse 13 to 21, so Revelation 9, 13 to 21, has this lion, calvary, uh, and Amos chapters one and two has lions and uh, fire has horses, and so it again you're going to see those similarities. Revelation ten one to seven has the angel of oath, and Amos three has a mystery revealed to the prophets. So again, you will see the similarities. But I promise you, I will share this on the on the Book of Jude Facebook and, and Instagram, uh, and it'll be uh, more clear. But by all means, take a look at it, read it, get familiar with it, and then you'll see when I share it. So, uh, trumpets two and three, why are we doing this together? Well, they're almost identical. So let's read Revelation 8, 8 to 11. The second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven blazing like a torch, and it fell on the third of the rivers and the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. Revelation 8, 8-11. Which Exodus plague could this be? Well, when the sea became blood, of course. Yeah, I think you already knew that. Uh, let's let's check out the metaphors real quick. So kind of the answers up front here. A mountain equals a kingdom. John uses mountain to equal kingdoms. Let me just prove it to you. A couple of examples here. Revelation 14.1, the lamb and the 144,000 stood on Mount Zion. Revelation 17.9, the woman seated on the seven mountains. Seven kings, seven heads. These are kingdoms. Revelation 21.10, Jerusalem descending onto a mountain. So when we see mountain, it's a metaphor for kingdom. Fire is the image of judgment. So we see the mountain burning so we can interpret this as judgment on a kingdom. Now I'm going to read Revelation 18.21 to you because this we're talking about the same thing, and once we get there, we don't have to touch it again. I think, I promise, I hope, hopefully I promise. <laughs> then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, 
so will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence and will be found no more. And the the title of this chapter or passage is the fall of Babylon. Babylon is going to be used, the Babylon empire will be used as an example of a evil world system. Calling this a mountain is nothing new. Jeremiah prophesied about Babylon. God says, I am against you, O destroying mountain, and make you a burnt mountain. Jeremiah 51, again titled Destruction of Babylon. You see, John is using what they're going through, the tribulation that John and his the, the seven churches are going through. Babylon is over and gone, right? It's Babylon is from the Old Testament, but Babylon is so far removed. But they are under Roman authority. The Babylonian Empire is used as an evil world system, and it's called a mountain. And again, Jeremiah says, well, God says in Jeremiah that I'm against you, destroying mountain, and I'll make you a burnt mountain. This is all flowing together. It should be. So later on in Jeremiah 51, God also says, blow the trumpet among the nations. This is signaling the nations to come against Jerusalem. At the end of this chapter, Jeremiah is told, when you finish reading this book, tie a stone to it and cast it in the midst of the Euphrates. Then we see the interpretation of the symbolic action. We see it, it tells us, and say, this is the text, thus shall Babylon sink to rise no more because of the disaster that I am bringing upon her and they shall become exhausted. And that's all from Jeremiah 51, but specifically uh, the last part, 63 and 64, the verses. So, that's, I mean, that's pretty clear, right, what we're talking about. The point here is symbolism. This is just one example of how the New Testament uses the Old Testament in a symbolic way. So when John uses Babylon, he is not talking about Babylon proper, unless noted otherwise. He refers to the world system as an example of evil or an enemy of God's people. The church is the new Jerusalem, although we are not made up of entirely Jews. The second point here, did you notice God says, blow the trumpet to gather enemy nations to come against Jerusalem? This often happens in the Old Testament. God takes credit for Israel's enemies conquering them. God sent Assyria as he sent Babylon. Then God punishes the enemy nations for attacking Israel. <laughs> so God takes credit for sending them to punish Israel, and God takes credit for punishing them. When we say God is in control over the heavens and the earth and the underworld, the death, the Hades, right? We mean it. He is in control. 17b to 19, so um, towards the end. And all shipmasters and seafaring men, sailors and all who trade is on the sea, stood far off and cried out as they saw the smoke of her burning. What city was like this great city? And they threw dust on their heads and they wept and mourned, crying out, Alas, alas, 
for the great city where all who had ships at sea grew rich by her wealth, for in a single hour she has been laid waste. The judgment results in famine, which affects the sea. Sea is symbolism for unbelieving people, nations, and other places. Chaos and foreign invaders. But here we see unbelieving people and nations. I'll give you an example. Revelation 17, I'm going to read verse 1, and I'm going to read verse 15. And remember, again, although we're jumping around a lot, we can skip these references in, the, in future episodes, if I'm able to, if, if it makes sense to do so. Uh, Revelation 17, the great prostitute and the beasts. Verse 1, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute who is seated on many waters. There's the many waters, symbolism. And the angel said to me, this is verse 15, uh, The waters that you saw where the prostitute is seated are peoples and multitudes and nations and languages. Okay, what did I just say? The sea is symbolism for unbelieving people, nations, and, and then, of course, other places. It's also chaos, foreign invaders. But in this context, unbelieving peoples and nations. You see how you're not getting what Chaplain Jude thinks? You're getting what John says in future chapters. The waters that you saw, this is the angel speaking to him, where the prostitute is seated, are peoples and multitudes and nations and languages. So John answers the question. From chapter 8, he answers it in 17, and then we saw him answering the questions in, in chapter 18. And here's something else, and, and, and the interpretation may be different here. There's a, diff, there's a uh, description of what was in the sea. A third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. That's Revelation 8, 9. However, we still have that influence from Jeremiah 51 with the destruction of Babylon. Jeremiah 51, 42 says the sea has come up on Babylon. She is covered with its tumultuous waves. And in the, um, in the Masoretic text, it's Jeremiah 51, 55, and it says Babylon is engulfed by many waters. So however you want to take it, the sea is symbolism for foreign invaders, as it is in Isaiah 8, 7. Uh, that, that was uh, the Assyrian invasion, Isaiah 8, 7. Therefore, behold, the Lord is bringing up against the waters of the river Euphrates, mighty and many, the king of Assyria and all his glory, and it will rise over all of its channels and go over its banks. You see how it's being used there. So you take Isaiah and Assyrian invasion, you take Jeremiah 51, and you take John's own uh, words later in chapter 17 and 18, and you begin to see the mosaic come together. You begin to see a clear picture. Now, what, what else did we see in our text today? We saw a fallen star. We know what a fallen star means. It's a falling, fallen divine beings, some fireball from the sky coming down. And my goodness, what does this remind us of? Keep in mind, what did we start out? The Exodus plagues. Don't forget the Exodus plagues. 
Exodus 7.19, stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over the rivers, the, their canals, and their ponds, and all their pools of water, so that they may become blood. And I will also like to add Psalm 78.44, he turned their rivers to blood so that they could not drink of their streams. This is the metaphor of famine. In the Midrash Rabbah on Exodus, so it's a commentary on Exodus, this interprets the plagues on the waters as a judgment on the heavenly beings, the Nile God, which is who? It's H-A-P-I, happy, hoppy, who knows, but was one of the four sons of Horus, who is a legal agent uh, representing sinful people. It goes on to say that the Egyptians and their guardian angel uh, were judged at the Red Sea. Did you know that the plagues on Egypt were directed at the Egyptian gods? So, oh my goodness, I'm about to butcher all these, but I just wanted to... So the ten plagues and the corresponding Egyptian god, their guardian angel, what the Midrash says. So you got the water turned into blood. That's the the happy, 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 probably not happy. Uh, frogs coming from the Nile, that's Heket, lice from the earth's dust, Geb or Jeb, uh, swarms of flies, death of cattle and livestock, ashes turned into boils, hail in the form of fire, locusts sent from the sky, three of the days complete darkness. Ah, I know that, that's Ra, and the death of the firstborn Pharaoh. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll display these cause I don't want to sit here and show you how ignorant I am of these pronunciations. Um, on that day, the Lord will punish the host of heaven in heaven and the Kings of the earth on the earth. Isaiah 24, 21. Have you been noticing what I've been sharing lately, preparing for this? I've been sharing, and if, if not, you go back, I've been sharing how God punishes the people, the nations. However, he also punishes their God, the gods of those people. All right, First Enoch 18.13, But it was a waste and a horrible place. I saw there seven stars like great burning mountains. All these words should be jumping out at you. First Enoch 21.4, and there I saw seven stars of the heaven bound together in it like great mountains and burning with fire. What, what are you saying, Tim? This great ball of fire, this great ball of fire falling from the sky. It's divine judgment on a divine being. Okay, uh, what's next? First Enoch 90, 90, 21 to 27 depicts seven angels who are agents of the final judgment who bind and present evil angels. I'll just read a couple excerpts from that. Beginning with the first star, which led the way all the stars. They were all bound as they all stood before him, who was God. And the judgment was held first over the stars, and they were judged and found guilty and went to the place of condemnation, and they were cast into an abyss full of fire and flaming and full of pillars of fire. And that's all from 1st Enoch 90, 21, 27. And it goes on from there in great detail of the abyss in the midst of the earth, full of flames. But you get the idea. Revelation 8, 
9 and 10 appears to describe judgment on the people and their representative angels or angel. Another quote here from G.K. Beale on Babylon being a world system, the observation that the descent of the burning mountain in verse 10 is parallel to the descent of the burning star in verse 8 also indicates that the star should be identified as an angelic representative of an evil kingdom undergoing judgment. Here, the judgment of Babylon's angel is in view, since verse 8 concerns the judgment of Babylon the Great. The identification of the star as Babylon's representative angel becomes more convincing if verse 10 is understood as alluding to Isaiah 14, 12 to 15. Now, end quote, Beale says it makes more sense if it's understood as alluding to Isaiah 14, 12 to 15. So let's read it. How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn, how you are cut down to the ground. You who laid the nations low, you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will set on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High, but you are brought down to Sheol, to the far reaches of the pit. Beale goes on to say, There the judgment of the king of Babylon and his nations is said to occur because its guardian angel, the star of the morning, has fallen from heaven, thrust down to Sheol, to the pit. Now, what else did we see in this passage? Wormwood. Oh, oh, Wormwood. I really hate to bring up false prophets. There is a very popular false prophet that talks all about Wormwood, writes books. Actually, there's quite a few false prophets, but there's one in particular. And he he can tell you all about Wormwood. He, he knows all about Wormwood. And yeah, that's... So the star is called Wormwood are thinking this is an asteroid. It's a real asteroid, and it's going to come destroy the earth. And not about all these Old Testament passages that I just referred to and Second Temple Jewish literature. You're about to be blown away. Does, does NASA say anything about wormwood? Wormwood is a bitter herb. It's a plant. It's a plant. And it can contaminate water to become poisonous. I mean, I'm pretty sure Wikipedia could tell you this. It's an herb, it's a plant, and it contaminates the water, and I guess that's it. <laughs> if you got any book on your shelf that talks about this astronomical event, you can just throw it in the trash if you want. Anyway, uh, Jeremiah 9, 15, and Jeremiah 23, 15 affirm that God will feed them, them as Israel, with wormwood and give them poisoned water to drink. Sound familiar? Yeah, that's what John was just talking about. The polluting judgment comes because Israel's religious leaders have spiritually polluted the nation with their idolatrous Baal worship. There's Baal again. This judgment is uh, that's in Jeremiah is part of a description of coming famine famine in um 
And it, it finally comes in Jeremiah eight thirteen to 14. I'll just read it to you. There will be no grapes on the vine and no figs on the fig tree. The leaf will wither. And what I have given them will pass away. The Lord has doomed us and has given us poisoned water to drink. There also the, the woe of famine occurs because of idolatry. And that is yet another quote from G.K. Beale. In Jeremiah, wormwood is metaphors for the bitterness of suffering resulting from judgment. The metaphor, the prophets figuratively polluted Israel with idolatry. So God is polluting them with bad water, with the bitterness of suffering. We see this same meaning in the Old Testament, where it also represents severe affliction from divine wrath. If you're taking notes, Deuteronomy 29:17 to 18, Proverbs 5:4, Lamentations 3:15, Lamentations 3:19, Amos 5:7, Amos 6:12. And I would also invite you to look at Hosea 10.4. It's not hard when the answers are in the Bible. Don't believe the hype. All right, that's all I'm going to say. All right, the fourth trumpet, Revelation 8.12-13. The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. Then I looked, and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead. Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blast of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. So a third, a third, a third, a part, partial, 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 a part of the earth, a part of this, a part of that. And what's going out? The light. This is the ninth plague. This is darkness. Exodus 10, 21 to 22. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward heaven. There may be darkness over the land of Egypt, a darkness to be felt. Mm. So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven and there was pitch darkness in all of the land for three days. In the wisdom of Solomon, chapters 15 to 17, they express symbolism when speaking of a plague of darkness. This means one is separated from the true God and prisoners of darkness. Also, in the eighth chapter of, of Amos, God mentions the Nile of Egypt right before he says, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. Amos 8, 9. And with that, we have successfully made it through chapter 8. As always, my hope is that I've made it simple and not more complicated for you. This was one of the episodes where I would think your note-taking is paramount, and to be able to go back and re-listen to it I think would be important just so you don't miss anything. Uh, we jumped around a lot. We we're going from Revelation 8 to 17 and 18, not to mention the Old Testament and Second Temple Jewish literature. But just to break it down, we're, when we see these, when we see the judgment language, just remember Egyptian plagues. Remember God not only judging the human beings but the spirit beings. Let's not overthink something like 
wormwood and an asteroid and something hitting the earth and destroying a third of it and and just okay this hasn't happened yet so well it has because this is all symbolism if if the great prostitute is not really a prostitute sitting on the sea and <laughs> right <laughs> right and the mountains are kingdoms just because it says that in the old testament and and we're using babylon that doesn't exist uh again symbolism for an evil uh empire um so therefore all the other stuff probably needs to be symbolism too unless otherwise noted unless otherwise noted but nothing was nothing was more clear than a bunch of symbolism uh god's people suffering going through tribulation and uh god being god lord over all you got it i think i think you uh you know what? I think we're smarter than people think. I don't, I don't know why we don't hear this on Sunday morning, but it it's plain as day. And some of these things, you know, like the third. Oh, what is a third? Uh, maybe it's just a portion of. If we stop thinking futuristically as if all these things didn't happen already, when John was writing a letter to the seven churches in Revelation, <laughs> um... That means it happened a long time ago. Oh, but the sun is still shining. Well, maybe it was symbolism. You ever think about that? Maybe it was symbolism. Um, but we haven't seen a, a, a giant prostitute sitting on water. Maybe it was symbolism. I don't know. It's crazy. It's crazy the way I think, huh? If we get, if, if I pick a, a halfway point, a halfway point in this Old Testament Revelation series, and I take a break and I do other things, and then we come back to it maybe, is that something that you would be okay with? And I just maybe not do some really hard things and we just kind of just do some little simple episodes? Let me know. Uh, of course, message me or, you know, whatever. Um, you guys know what to do. As always, remember... You're out there. You're you're a witness. You're you're a walking testimony. You're a light to the world. Uh, so with that, God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Book of Jude.